Hey fellow wanderers and wool-gatherers, JPP here, just jumping on board before the episode starts. Wanted to remind you, wanderingsandwoolgathering.com is now live. So, if you want to look at episodes in depth, you can do so. If you want to sign up for our mailing list, you can do so. If you want to contact us regarding any albums we may have missed, or if you want to add some commentary based on an episode, you can contact us there as well. Wanderingsandwoolgathering.com don't forget, you can find us on Facebook at Wanderings and Wool Gathering, as well as on Instagram at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Are you seeing a pattern here? All right, let's go to the show. Take it away, Foggy. It's another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 37. We come to you this week and the 36 previous weeks because life is too short not to create something with every breath we draw. And that, of course, is one of the many brilliant quotes from Maynard James Keenan. We'll be getting to him shortly, but since this episode has been 13 years in the making, we better get started. My name's Foggy, and with me as always, JPP. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Tea bags. Tea bags. Too hot for TV. Hey, how's it going? And the man with the best intro music in the business, Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's Metalhead Monday. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. <laughs> I'm going to rewrite his uh, theme song here on the fly. Here we go. Where the hell is my <laughs> man? Talk about on the fly. Man, I dropped it in my fly. What can I say? He needs some porn music, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll grow my stash out. Oh, that'd be Not sweet. again. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, gentlemen. Evening. Good evening. evening. You guys ready to get after it tonight? Are you ready to rock? Yeah. Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Um, Obviously, 13 years since Tool, so we'll be tackling the new record. And uh, we have a really cool challenge from Teabags, which I kind of cheated on, but I still have an answer. So I feel pretty good about that. I'm proud of you. And I I kept it thematic as well. Nice. Okay. I know. Exciting. (laughs) Before we get started, anybody with any exciting new news? Hmm. No, not really. Um, Tool dropped an album this week. I didn't hear. No way. Yeah, yeah, that's fairly really? exciting. Yeah. Man. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything. Well, my, my wife and I were listening to the new Michael Bublé today. I feel like I missed out. Sweet. Same thing. <laughs> Michael Bublé. Yeah, he dropped a new album, so... Yeah, we were listening to it in the car. And he actually, you know, not to derail this, but he actually has a song on there that's really touching. Um, he can't perform it live. Um, if I might be butchering this, but if I understand correctly, he had a his son battled cancer. And I think he's okay. Yes. But um, nonetheless, the song talks about 
being a parent and being proud of your kid no matter what and the music video just shows an empty room and changing from crib to a bed to you know being a teenager's room and then it, they move out and that kind of stuff and um it just makes my my wife melt you know nonetheless and as a parent yeah it tugs on the heartstrings for sure and um but yeah he said he couldn't perform that because he gets too emotional every time you know he tries and so uh kudos to him because it's a, a damn good song and you know the rest of the album he's got a really good band and the musicians are doing a lot of various things and um it was actually you know, fun to listen to but uh, i couldn't wait to put tool back on when it was my turn <laughs> he's got a crazy good voice i mean you may not like the style of music but he really can sing and then uh, yeah. the key thing about him is he has a hockey rink in his basement wow <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty I was gonna sweet. say I was gonna make a, a mean joke, but after Paul told that story, then I just sound like a jerk. <laughs> I know. Hey, what's new Monday? <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of new music, though, also Lana Del Rey's album dropped. I don't know if you guys checked it out at all, but um, her videos—I mean, like her or hate her—her uh, her videos are really cinematic, and um, she's already put like two or three videos out. She's cool, way ahead of it. Yeah, so worth checking out. I definitely will dig into that. I probably yeah. won't, but thanks for the heads up. That's okay. Oh, she's got a duet with Michelle Buble. Check out. Those two gals are hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, you turn that into a farce. All right. <laughs> are we ready to get challenging? We are yes. ready. All right, T-Bags, take it away. Okay. So the challenge was, uh, since, uh, we had done one based on literature, I wanted us to become the writers for this. So you're supposed to take a performance, um, that you found on YouTube that we can share. And I, I meant to say it could be just one song. Didn't need to be an entire concert or anything, but, um, and then write from the perspective of being there, just kind of like describe how that would feel to be there. And, um, then we'll share our content online. That's it. End of show. Excellent. Bye. Bye now. All right, I'll go first because I cheated. Okay. So um, I heard that a couple days later that we were writing this review, and I did tell you guys that I was in the middle of a 25-page research paper, and I did another assignment while I was at it as well. So I didn't write anything, but I do have an answer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, well, I mean, T-Bags adds like five choices to all his, so I feel good about it. So anyway, keeping... (laughs) <laughs> Keeping thematic with the show and prog rock, I chose uh, the Rush uh, concert, Exit Stage Left. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting because you talked about you being there and being in the crowd and writing it from that perspective. Uh-huh. But just to show that I'm a fair kind of fella, I'm going to say that the live album that they produced from that is not good. And, and here's why. Okay. So they they took this over a couple of days, put together this footage, um, and I don't even believe that it was in the same order that it actually happened in concert. So it's not technically capturing a concert in its entirety the way like a normal one would. Secondly, and the band has mentioned this, that it was overproduced. They went back mm-hmm. in, they cleaned up. Uh, but they cleaned up to the point where you couldn't even hear the audience. Oh. I mean, it was so subtle. So if I'm in the audience and I go back and watch this thing, I'm thinking, holy cow, this is a totally different you know, situation than what I was there. And you hear mm-hmm. the people screaming and, and yelling, and you don't hear any of that in the concert. It's too clean. And they already are a very clean 
band. They're very technical and sound. Um, I believe the only person that they didn't touch up anything was Neil. That stayed the same. But they did clean up the guitars a little bit. They cleaned up a little bit of the vocals. And then they kind of <laughs> overdubbed enough that you couldn't even hear the audience hardly at all. So that live energy that you get was gone. So in some ways, it felt like a studio album almost um, to the point where it lost all of the the charm of a live show. That's okay. my answer. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't know how old I was when I found out they did that a little bit. Like, the, There's a lot of bands that do that, and they release live albums. They'll go back in and you know, clean it up and overdub and stuff like that. I know Kiss did that a lot. Uh, yeah. I think Zeppelin did that. And it's, you know, it kind of, it, when you find out much later, it kind of, it takes a lot away from it, you know, cause you grow up loving something like that. And then you find out it's not really live. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah. That was the only time, the last time they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So lesson learned. Yeah, it's funny all these unwritten rules, unwritten rules that we have. Like, people get mad with backtracking and you know, lip syncing, even if the band has to do a lot of choreography and cleaning up audio on a live thing. It's just you know, we have all these unwritten rules. But I I do think that takes away from the entire experience. If you, especially if you minimize the crowd sound, that makes it sound like an empty, yeah, you know, like a sound check almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. sounds great. Just doesn't sound like a live album. <laughs> right. All right, who's up? Um, I got mine ready. Go for it. <clears throat> okay, so mine, uh, the Kerrang! magazine, they have a series on YouTube called uh, Live in the K-Pit. Mm-hmm. And they just they throw bands in this little room with just a few people. And they kind of do like short sets, just a few songs. And it's pretty cool. And there's a recent one that was a band that I really love called Sacred Reich. Mm -hmm. And they're a thrash band that's been around since the 80s. Um, They kind of, they broke up. Their last album was recorded in, uh, well, it was released in 96. So they have a new album. It was their first album in 23 years. So Tool fans can suck it. (laughs) <laughs> been waiting a little bit longer for that yeah um but uh they broke up in 2000 got back together in 2006 but still have never recorded anything new until this year their new album just came out so it's pretty awesome and so kerrang got a hold of them and got them to do this show so here's my review okay. uh sacred reich took to the tiny stage in front of about 50 people They ripped into the opener, Awakening, with a sense of immediacy. The fans ate up the new song, which was great to see. It really got the blood and energy flowing. They kept up the pace with one of their biggest hits, Independent. The crowd, though small in number, sang their hearts out in approval, despite a small problem with the vocals feeding back. Singer Phil Rind really seemed to hit his stride with the third song, Salvation. He sounds better than ever. Guitarist Wiley and newcomer Joey Radziwill nailed the harmony guitars. This was definitely the standout track of the evening for me. Next came The American Way, another Sacred Reich standard. Anyone, sorry, everyone nailed the sing-along chorus. Not gonna lie, 
I got chills. Before the last song, Phil took a minute to explain the meaning behind the new song, Manifest Reality. He reinforced the lyrics, pleading with the fans in attendance to treat each other with love, compassion, and understanding, to be the change you want to see in the world, to paraphrase Gandhi. The song itself is a total ripper and an excellent way to close the set. These guys are thrash veterans from the 80s and 90s. There's been a lot of trials and tribulations they've had to face, but they're back with a killer new album. I feel like the return of drummer Dave McLean and the addition of 22-year-old guitarist Joey Radzwill have injected a new vigor into the band. Their live shows are proving they're here to stay. Nice. Nice. Well done, Monday. Yeah. Nicely done. Now I want to go see it. <laughs> I got a question for you. So yeah. this uh, Live in the K-Pit, are there any other like really awesome performances you've seen? Um, I haven't checked out too many. Uh, Sacred Reich was really the first one I saw, but I, I mean, they have a ton of them, but I, I haven't sat and gone through any of them yet. I'm going to check that out. I really like there's, Kerrang. There's so. a lot of bands that you've heard of. So Cool. That's cool. Worth it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to try to decipher my crayon here, so please bear with me. Sure. <clears throat> now, I cheated too in that <laughs> I was there. But I went from the perspective of you hadn't been there, so here's a YouTube video for you to watch, and I can kind of set the tone for the evening. Sweet. Uh, the video I'll put in the show notes is Fight Fire with Fire from Metallica from the March 11th performance at Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana, which was incredible, by the way. <clears throat> so it goes as follows. Should have used purple crayon. I could read it better. On March 11th, 2019, Metallica took over downtown Indianapolis on their Worldwide tour, breaking the attendance record for Banker's Life Fieldhouse. The band performed in their favorite fashion, in the round with the audience surrounding the stage, giving fans a chance to see the band head-on throughout the night, no matter where they were planted in the arena. Fans gathered early to enter the show, and some bought extra perks with their ticket package to either peruse the display of Met Gear or meet and greets. My nephew and I entered through the back of the building to be greeted by crew members giving out care packages, including metal memorabilia such as bottle openers and pins, for example. Plus, they encouraged fans to take as many copies as desired of their film through the never. I haven't watched it yet, but I hope to at some point to give it an honest go and opinion. Um, you know, given that they were saying, please take a couple copies, bring them for the family. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of funny. We found our spot in the front of the near the front of the stage, nearly ten feet away from one of the mics, knowing we'd see some action from Papa Het and the crew up close and personal. The crowd was very relaxed and ready to go. Jim Brewer opened the evening with some banter with the crowd interacting with fans and firing them up for some loud heavy metal action for the evening. By the end of his set, the floor was packed and the seats were nearly fi nearly filled. Showtime, after Neo Morricone's Ecstasy of Gold alerts the crowd it's begun, the band hits the stage and blasts off with Hardwired along with Atlas Rise, and to no surprise, the place was completely ablaze with, with roars and shouts. The evening carried on with many hits from almost every album. It was great to see the band deliver the music with high energy and pull out old guitars from the heyday to perform the classics. See uh, Fight Fire with Fire, for example. The crowd was hungry for it all, and the usual mosh pits were traded in for ibuprofen as we've grown up along with Metallica and haven't been getting in shape for the event as much as the band has. 
The key takeaways, a great performance with the ability to see the band from all angles and a compelling visual element that included heavy cubes of LED screens that were able to raise and lower throughout the show with visual elements to accent each tune. The cool part was that they incorporated graphics associated with Indianapolis, such as the state flag, team logos, etc., and they do so for each event on the road. Picks thrown out even included Indianapolis and a picture of the iconic iconic St. Elmo Steakhouse. It was a night to remember... So let's not wait so long to come back to Indy. Hey, guys. Very good. Hey. Yeah, jealous. Finish that with there. a little Canadian flair. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to close it off with, you know, more ibuprofen jokes, but, uh, you know, I'm not as sore as I was that next day. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I can't. Yeah, we were all jealous when we saw those pictures. That was so cool that you got to be right there. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely a bucket list piece checked off for sure. Very cool. cool. Well done, Paul. Thank you, sir. Tea bags. All right. Let's sit back and listen to the book. Here we go. No, I, I kept it. I kept it uh, short. Um, it's so a good thing is... this challenge happened this week, Tony, because you were too busy listening to Tool to write the book. Yes, that's true. Yeah, like maybe you would not like to read my writing. Um, <laughs> uh, I did. Um, how to destroy angels. Uh, doing the song Big Black Boots uh, live at Coachella. So, um, underneath blue, as if the concert was being held underwater, an eerie electronic sound gives way to a driving synth bass, leading the way for a drawn-out 909-ish kick drum and dry snare to start a marching beat. Back-to-back, Trent and Queen Reznor bounce in front of their keyboards. Rob Sheridan is off to the right, while Atticus Ross and Alessandro Cortini are off to the left, grooving and adding layers of sound. Floating in front of the band is a morphing, geometric, multi-dimensional shape made of light and seemingly alive. Reznor and his wife sing in unison as an army of dots find their formations on the layered, translucent screen. They quickly move on beat and make you feel like you're moving as well. The light show is mind-blowing, as if we're all in the same lucid hallucination. The beat stays the same, pounding on and on while lights and sounds change around it. Everyone is swaying in time together in the crowd, as new colors start coming through and bursting, come bursting through as Mary Queen screams, listen to the sounds, only to have Trent's low vocals follow right underneath her heels with of my big black boots. Being a guy who loves lyrics, this used to not be my favorite track. I considered it mediocre on the debut EP, but after seeing it live and the unstoppable energy it brings, I see it in a new light, so to speak. See? Cool. Short. Thanks. It, really it is was. really a fantastic. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of their live footage, but uh, it's just these layers of translucent, like um, almost cloth-like stuff, and it, it lets them project in like three dimensions. It's pretty fantastic. It looks pretty weird. That's cool. that pretty awesome. See, that's why live is so awesome, is that you took a song that you really didn't like that much based on the lyrics, and then you see it live, and suddenly it's this whole new thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, live music is, I mean, it can totally change your mind. I uh, That happened for me with Korn. It's actually Paul was trying to get me to listen to them. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. I wasn't paying much attention. Okay. And then we saw them with uh, Megadeth. And I was like, holy crap. So, yeah, I got into them pretty hard after we saw them. Yeah, that is... It is weird how that works. Dress, I had a friend trying to get me to listen to Dresden Dolls way back in the day, and 
then they just happened to open up for Nine Inch Nails in like a it was at the Tabernacle, so a small venue, and just seeing Amanda and the drummer, I was like, holy crap! And then that yeah, that started that love affair. I wish I could have seen them. I almost went to see um, Panic at the Disco when their first album came out, and Dresden was opening for them. I love Dresden Dolls and Amanda Palmer. Never yeah. seen them. That would have been a great concert. Good job, guys. Thanks for playing along. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and just quick throwing this in there, uh, Monday mentioned Corn, and that will be our review in two weeks when their nice. new album drops. Oh, so cool. it'll be fun to see if they still have it as old dudes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next week's challenge will be brought to you by Metalhead Monday. What do you have? Okay. Well, you know. We took on uh, the new tool this week, and boy, those songs are crazy long. <laughs> and uh, going along with that, building off of that, uh, I'll, I'll issue this challenge. You can do, I, I try to stick to one or two, your favorite epic length songs, like any song, I would say more than, uh, let's go with like more than eight minutes long. It, it, that, that you, when you listen to it, you really feel like, man, this song is just epic. Like it, it uh-huh. goes places, it, it takes you somewhere, makes you feel different emotions throughout the song. Your, your favorite one or two epic length songs. Okay. They I've can got one be already. instrumental or with vocals. Doesn't matter. Excellent. Time I promise you. Liking the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> or fish. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that that bus <laughs> is already pulled away for me. No, thank you. Same. Now <laughs> I can VW guarantee bus? I won't use twenty one twelve because I've used that before, but it doesn't mean I won't use Rush. <laughs> yeah. Or it may just be a. I asked if it was a VW bus that pulled away. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I will try not to use any of the new tool songs next week since we're talking about them. That doesn't mean he won't use the old tool tools. Yes. (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) Yeah. Are you a politician, Tony? I tell you. I will try to steer clear of Rush, but it's going to be difficult because I have one that just immediately jumped out. Yeah, so. I've got one or two for sure. So, okay, Monday. Yeah, I can think of one I, I could use that I feel like I've used before, so I'll try something else. Okay. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Good challenge. All right, then. Challenge accepted. Bam. All right, fellas. This brings us to the Tony Hour. Album <laughs> review. No, I'm nice. just kidding. <laughs> 13 years, folks, and we're here. Mm-hmm. We've heard the whole thing. Um, you know, it was weird because we always talk about when it comes out on a Friday and we, we record this on a Sunday, we don't have much time with it. And an mm-hmm. album like this that is so deep, it really is kind of stressful trying to take it all in in that amount of time. Um, right. But I managed to listen a lot. So yeah, I feel like I, I actually have some things to say. Yeah, I don't like I was worried about that, too, with how long the songs are. But I feel like I've had it on. I mean, every spare second that we, mm-hmm. we didn't have something else on. I had this on. Yeah. So. I feel like I've had it on for like a week. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. 
Hmm. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> well, how do we want to tackle this? How do we want to dig in? Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a ton to say, so I can go first. All right, let it rip. Want. All right. So, um, you know, I, it's Tool. I, I, I really, I, I love Tool, so I love this. I, that didn't, nothing in here changed my opinion of loving this band. Um, I feel like it did show a little growth without abandoning their overall sound. Uh, definitely, it still sounds like a Tool album. Um, with the songs being as long as they are and the, the instrumental, like the shorter instrumental things, some of it felt a little indulgent, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's what they wrote, what they wanted to put out, so good for them. Um, I, I, w- I did not enjoy the shorter instrumental songs, the, you know, Litany, Legion, Inoculum, and Mocking Beast. I, I really didn't care for them, and honestly, I skipped them several times. Um, Chocolate Chip Trip was eh, kind of, when the drums kick in, then it got a little interesting, but the, you know, the front half of that song, I, uh, um overall i think it's a fantastic album uh, i'm very very happy to have new tool and listening to it you know i'm not sure exactly what took 13 years to get this out but it's you know it's here so i guess i'll just be happy with that and my last thought on it listening to these songs I didn't get to listen to them a lot with headphones on, but when I did, like it totally just transported me back. Like I felt like I was high school age and I like that just laying on my bed in the dark with my headphones on and just being transported by these songs. I mean, they they go all over the place and they really take you for a ride. And that's, that's what I saw in my head. Like I just, I felt like I was, you know, 16 years old, just chilling out, laying in the dark, zoning out. And it's pretty awesome to go back there. So uh, my standout tracks are Fear Inoculum, Invincible, and Tempest. Uh, That's probably not a shocker. Um, And as of right now, I'd probably give it a solid like four and a quarter out of five. And listening to it, I'm sure, you know, it'll grow on me and that'll change. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. And I will continue yeah. to love it. Great band. Happy to have more of them. Yeah, I wonder Excellent. when we'll see them. I, I wonder how long it'll take for the next one, if there is one. But right. uh, on that 13-year thir- hiatus, there was, some, there was some legal thing going on, too, where they, I think it was a battle made with a label or something, and they weren't putting out music until that was resolved and then i think just the nature of maynard's work schedule and two other bands and the way the other guys drag their feet sometimes that but still yeah. 13 years dang yeah i did see an interview or something though or like didn't adam say that like this was absolutely not maynard's fault that it took this long yeah they finally kind of said that maynard when i went and saw them in concert a year or two ago 
Maynard was like publicly blaming them on stage. <laughs> so it was interesting. But, uh, uh, and then I just want to jump on this. You guys can jump in too, but that whole headphones thing. Cause Steve had mentioned like that it really changed for him too. When he listened to it on headphones, but I went and I actually ordered new headphones just to have it work for this purpose. And, um, <laughs> it, it took me back too in a way of like, I used to walk a lot at ball state, you know, between the art building and the dorms. With headphones on and it like changed the world you know it's like a soundtrack going on and having that as an adult even in the workplace it was nice to kind of have everything blocked out and life happening with a soundtrack like that so yeah it took me back too yeah uh before we move on to somebody else i have to say are you guys familiar with um the youtube channel lost in vegas Oh, yeah. yeah, I love those guys. Those two guys yeah. that review. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. They did one for the Fear Inoculum single. So mm-hmm. check that out if you get, if you get a chance. It's okay. fantastic. Those guys yeah. get it. I mean, they oh, really yeah. understand what's going on. I love watching yeah. them. And their reactions, they're, they're so genuine yeah. and just yeah. like positive people that I love watching their stuff. They're, they're fantastic. Their Fear yeah. Inoculum reaction is great. So check that out. I definitely will. Yeah, and cool. Tony, I do have a quick question. You said you walked on campus listening to Tool back in the day. What, uh-huh. What's it like hearing it on a new modern set of headphones versus the old wire band with the foam pens? <laughs> that were orange? Yeah, and hoping that your CD doesn't skip as you're walking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally different experience. Uh, plus, their production value has gone up quite a bit. So, yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that out there. No, that's or good. the tape gets caught. <laughs> yeah. I know. Damn it. Whoa. <laughs> can't rewind it somebody give me a pencil i gotta wind this thing <laughs> yeah. uh, dead dead batteries might have been the worst yeah sure. yeah that was yeah. always fun because that always went down a couple pitches you know <laughs> yeah <Ooh. laughs> this album yeah. is sick <laughs> yeah. karaoke night yeah uh, uh jpp what do you think Oh, where do I begin? First off, uh, I'm a little pissed off at my friend Danny, who texted me Friday morning. Happened to just walk into Target and get one of six copies that were just on the shelf and get out the door. Well, Shit. he didn't just happen to walk in there <laughs> waiting for the doors to open. Well, still, nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. he had the opportunity. Everybody else was looking for jeans. He went looking for the tool CD, okay? And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I was already on a different schedule and couldn't do such a thing because the Target by me closed. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not bitter. But, um, yeah, so he's got the, the physical package, which I'm, I'm dying to see firsthand and see what that's all about. But, um, so, yeah, I, I waited till Friday. I didn't go sneaking off and listening to it in advance or anything but mm-hmm. i immediately skipped fear inoculum after having already heard it yes <clears throat> numa blew me away um mm-hmm. great tune great drive great change-ups all that um i'm, I'm going to kind of look at this instead of from the song perspective as much as just the album as a whole and just the band um so i know a big piece of the 13 years i've heard maynard say that those guys just really were meticulous in terms of changing things up and just really getting it to the point that they wanted it to be and i think some of the final results include the fact that um danny carey and justin chancellor have now become a rhythm section's wet dream in that now they're a synchronous uh sentient being if you will because I'm sure there's some production in there to tighten them up a little bit, but it sounds like it's pretty natural how tight they are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was completely floored with that, especially with the polyrhythms and delay on top of it on the bass line. It's like, damn, that would have thrown me off. There's no way I could have played that. Um, you know, and even with like Chocolate Chip Trip, you know, that was kind of a fun thing for Danny to do. But it, I know drummers are eating that alive because there was some crazy crap going on there. Um, Adam Jones's guitar tone, it's evolved a little bit to me in that, I mean, yes, he's always had a pretty consistent sound. Sometimes the distortion's real dry and kind of has enough crunch and gain, but it doesn't really saturate. So he can play the real tight, intricate stopping parts you know real staccato and then it widens up for leads and things too so he does a really good job of playing on that throughout this album i'm still trying to figure out whether or not he double tracked much of it at all because some of it just sounds like a single guitar take but it's huge at the same time and but it doesn't sound like your typical huge where everything's panned left and right and it sounds like 40 marshals on the stage but um he's textural he's very concise and deliberate which was awesome um i keep hearing people talk about how it's a prog album and i would call it a minimalist prog album if i went there just because yes rhythmically it's very prog but they don't play 80 million different pitches like a prog album you know that kind of stuff and um but it's driving at the same time and there was one section, I think it might be in Tempest, or it may be another song, I can't remember. I have to start, I mean, like, everything starts bleeding together after a while when you're getting floored with all the grooves, but um, it's like he and, you know, the, the band were in unison with the da-da-da-da, and then, you know, it's like he's over here, Justin's over here, Danny's over there, but then they click back in, and it was all very intentional, but it was just, just so, you know, crazy on how they're all doing different counting in their heads, but then uh-huh. block back in, you know, like it's umbilical no problem at all so those are the big takeaways for me on this on this record was grooves are great the guitar sounds huge and full and fantastic the bass is clear as well maynard became kind of an instrument to me more than a vocalist i really didn't hear him as much as i thought i would like yes he's there but he wasn't driving the songs for me like in the past in some ways so i just kind of felt like he you know, played a role, but he really wasn't the forefront of it. You know what I mean? He was another instrument. So, um, yeah, you know, and I know he came in after the fact and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of shows. Um, The instrumentals, most of them are somewhat interesting, but I definitely went more to the full songs as well. But um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I can see where, you know, the songs that are really out there and, and tunes deliver i know that many fans were probably like after 13 years i got a bunch of little instrumentals on here i'm kind of disappointed i was hoping for a you know kind of a bigger grandiose package but you know i've been in those shoes before i tried to deliver a grandiose package and it's anyway i will i digress (laughs) that's what she said (laughs) (laughs) sorry folks put the kids to bed um but yeah, so that's my rant. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Um, I need to listen to it more. And I, I know I definitely enjoy the hell out of the album. Um, I just really would like to get a hold of a physical copy too, just to have it in my, my archives. And I will be enjoying this for a while. Nice. Excellent. I want to say something, Paul. Yeah. I don't know if you can see this. I'm holding this up. Where is it? Right there. Anyway, you can't read that. What it Danny says Carey. is basically what Danny you said Carey. in the beginning, Danny Carey, the drums. All right. So I was, one of the things that just popped out to me as I was listening to that, and there's so many great Carey moments. 
mm-hmm. um, the chocolate trip you mentioned, um, Numa, those understated drums that kind of build towards the end. But then I also wrote that it equals the bass. It was tight. There were so many instances where, man, just what you said, they were so in sync that it was just crazy good. Yeah. And so it was cool that you said that because I had already written that. So awesome. Nice. Yeah, I didn't really pick out anybody by name, but yeah, I, Justin Chancellor, I, I just, I, he's amazing. I, yeah. I, I could listen to him all day. Mm-hmm. And Danny yeah. Carey is, of course, amazing too. Yeah. And Paul, what you were saying about how, like, being in sync, like, um, that, when I saw them live, that was one, one of the takeaways <laughs> I had actually was like, it's almost like, you almost think it's fake. It's so right on time, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. And, you know, they're looking at each other, nodding and pointing and doing some things. I'm sure they have their own language that they're speaking. But for the most part, they're just right in the pocket doing their thing, and they're they're right on time. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's kind of sickening. But when that's uh-huh. their full-time gig, they've got time to sit there and really hone the craft. And, True. Uh, you know, so that's, that's part of the process for them, and it's beautiful. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, I will go ahead and go because I know I want to cap this with tea bags. Um, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good, <laughs> so that's a good Labor Day with tea bags. <laughs> you can cap it with tea bags. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> I don't think I can go on now. I'm grossed out. <laughs> Me too. All right, hashtag. I'm fine. Anyway. <laughs> so. Um. Uh, okay. Here's the deal. So obviously, my most anticipated album of the year happened two weeks ago, and yes. um, that's still my favorite album of the year. However, I do think I have a new favorite song of the year. Um, you're saying no? Is it the one you text me? We never got the answer. You never answered it. Yeah, I did. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> you answered uh, it. <laughs> No, I didn't, did I? Yeah. No, I did. All right, whatever. Go ahead. Anyway, it was Invincible. Um, oh. <laughs> didn't think so. No, you said calling, whatever. So anyway, Invincible no, you probably said, is you my said new... Mocking, you said Mocking Beast. They're yeah, that was beast. a joke, because that's I know, by that's far I was the worst I, I, song on the album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys. Sorry, I, I kind of thought ahead. you'd get that. <laughs> now, we're going to have to re-edit all this. Um, anyway... Invincible is my favorite song on the album and my probably my favorite song of the year. Absolutely love it. I want to wake up to that uh, like midway through. They have those breakdowns or whatever. I want that to be my alarm. I want it to be my text sound, whatever. I mm-hmm. love it so much. And um, I love those lyrics filled with hope. I can taste mythical fountains. False hope, perhaps, but the truth never got in my way. I love that is so good. Um, and the meaning for that, but I don't want to just talk about the meaning of that one because I want to bring this up and I think Tony can probably, he's probably dug into the lyrics a little bit more, but I almost feel like I don't know that it's necessarily a concept album or that he stated it, but I kind of get the feeling from if you kind of walk through the song sphere inoculum has to do with like, you know, putting those things behind you that hold you back, you know, exhaling as he says. So after that happens, then you get to Numa, and it's kind of like being born again, you know, like re, you know, gathering your creative forces and, and moving on. And then Invincible is about continuing that fight and hanging on to that, you know, creative edge or continuing to create as we grow older. 
Mm-hmm. And then descending is like just that step beyond that where you want to uh, put off the inevitable. You want to stay, I think is what he uses, the word that he uses there. Um, continue to create, but kind of hold that pattern. And then calling voices comes on. And to me, it's almost like uh, the doubts that creep in, that keep you from doing what you're doing. Um, and then we get to Tempest, and it's like all holy hell breaks loose, and everybody in the world's against you, and they're liars, and you got to you know see through it all. Um, mm. So I, I don't know. I kind of felt like the whole album did work that way. And then we had those breaks in between um, with those little musical interludes, and I was not a big fan of the musical interludes. They didn't tick me off or anything, but wasn't a huge fan. I did love the uh, chocolate chip one because of the drums. Um, you know, I love me some drums. And uh, that one worked for me. And then at the end, it almost just felt like they were laughing at us with mocking beat. You know, we, yeah, all I this... really didn't. I hated that. I, you end <laughs> it with Tempest and it's so good. And then that came on and I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> Maybe that <laughs> is what he's talking about in Tempest. I don't know. But uh, I mean, yeah, it was such an odd ending to the record. Yeah. There's a uh, but there's a few two albums that end that way, you know they go into like, like that Bill Hicks area and the uh, third eye opening and all the you know that, which is good but it's noisy it's not necessarily song structured and some of the other ones are just kind of out there, so it, it's not uncommon but I wish they wouldn't have done it after 13 years I, w- I wish we got one more pool song out of the gig. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. Um. So I guess just to to kind of wrap all mine up. I loved those six that I just mentioned. I like the other instrumental, but the other ones I didn't love. I wish we would have gotten more than six big songs, you know, after that long. Um, uh-huh. But overall, I'd say it was at least 4.5. Had we not had those other ones and added a few extra songs, it probably would have been a five. So I did love it. And I, I know I'm going to keep listening and digging into those lyrics because I'm just putting that whole thing together. But I think I'm on to something. Teabags? Am I close? No, I, think, I think so, too. I mean, I think like most Tool albums or songs, it's purposely written to have meanings that could be personal to you or, or scaled up to like a, you know, a bigger scene, I guess. But um, but I do see that. I do see that thread running through there. Um. Yeah, so I don't know really how to even jump in on this because I have so much to say. I didn't write it all down, but uh, it's almost not fair because it's so... For me, my experience with Tool is I love all the music. They're great musicians. That's undeniable, but it's the it's the band that makes me think the most, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every song at some point in time... Uh, well, let me, let me ask you guys this because this is what happens to me. I may have liked, let's say, The Grudge when it came out, and through the course of the years, the grudge has meant something different to me as I go on or study it more, you know? So I don't even really know what this album means to me yet. <laughs> Other than it's good music, and I and I do see those threads. But do you guys have, like, that experience with Tool? Like, you, it kind of grows with you? Yeah, for sure. And I think, for me, when I first heard Tool, loved Undertow, loved, um, you know, Sober and the album overall was great. I didn't go back to it a lot. And I think a lot of it at the time is my ears and my playing wasn't mature enough to process it as much as I wanted to. And sometimes if, if music was a little challenging for me, I I would listen to it, enjoy it, get overwhelmed, and then move on to something that I could 
play, you know, like I stayed in my comfort zone too much. Mm -hmm. Um, and so tool became one of those bands. It's like, you have to push forward and really ingest this to grow. And that's what ultimately happened for me is I, you know, kind of started to see the light with them. It's like, they were kind of the antithesis of what was going on in rock and metal at the time. I mean, cause he wasn't overly saturated, distorted guitars, you know, Adam's tone that is. And, uh -huh. um, you know, they played, uh, their own, their own way. And Maynard's singing was like, sometimes he'd get a little growly, but he definitely didn't rely on that rebellion a hundred percent. He definitely had textures and layers too. So, Right. Um, you know, I think what you're saying, what, how I feel on this album is it's one hell of an onion and I've just started to peel the top layer off and my eyes are already starting to water, you know, is <laughs> yeah. what I'm getting at. Um, yep. so all I got to say after that is I hope they come up with something sooner because I do not want to be in line, you know, filing my social security <laughs> when the next album comes out. Yeah. Well, good news. There won't be social security. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <no kidding. laughs> So yeah, going along with that, um, I, Tool is definitely a band as musicians. They're so talented. I think they're almost undeniable. Um, like, I mean, something there, if you love music, something there is going to catch you. It's going to get your attention and make you listen at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bands over the years where I didn't like them at first. And, you know, a few years down the line, I catch up and I'm like, Oh, well, I was missing this the whole time. You know, your ear changes, what you, your taste changes. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it kind of tool is one of those bands where the more you listen to them, and I think the more you stick with them, they improve and your, I don't know, listening ability improves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you, they're a band you need to pay attention to. And if you do, you are very well rewarded. Well said. You're going sure. from a Moscato to a nice vintage red. <laughs> Maynard would be proud. So, Steve, I don't know if you have anything to say on that, or do you want me to jump in? Or No, I I just think that the Tool is one of the most distinctive bands as far as sound-wise. There's no doubting when you hear it. But I think his voice, you know, I love the lyrics that he speaks, but even if you don't understand or the meaning or whatever, his voice is almost an instrument. It's almost hypnotic yeah, or just flows like the other instruments in the in the group and just kind of mm -hmm. completes that whole package. Yeah, and their production has gone up, like Paul and I just said too. And it's like, I think they've blended it in well as mm -hmm. well, you know, too. So, um, okay, so I won't belabor it too much more. What here's what I'll do is I'll just say that I feel like that this is like Tool albums. It's another stage in growth. I think you you see a definite growth between Undertow and uh and Anima and then Anima and Lateralis and all the all the way through. You know, you see them being true to themselves that they're growing older too. There's different things going on and they're not trying to just reclaim whatever made them famous. Um, so I feel like this is a natural progression and um, I'm just going to talk about a few songs, but instead of me talking for 10 minutes straight, like you guys jump in on the songs too, if you have anything else to say, is that cool? Yep. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, so on Fear Inoculum, um, I, first of all, I felt like it was a great opener. I feel like it left, it, it kind of picked up where Lateralis and 10,000 Days left off, if you listen to like the last complete songs, you know, uh, with that drumming. So it, it feels like 13 years have passed, but you just flip the record over, sort of. Um, and uh, I think that, like I said earlier, this could be, on Fear Inoculum, it could be some personal journey, but you could also scale it all the way up to how our media, you know, uh, you know, puts fear out there for us. And, um, but I do like when he talks on his own personal story and, uh, I had to look up what elegy meant. That's why I like tool. I have to get my dictionary when I'm listening to, (laughs) but elegy was a, it's an elaborate poem for the dead. Mm -hmm. And so when he's talking about those types of things, and then also, uh, he's talking about his own mitosis and that kind of harkens back to kind of a 46 and two, like an evolution, type of thing mm-hmm. um i thought it was a great way to start off like i said musically that it feels like you flipped over the album and then um theme wise it feels like it's just like tools should be where you get this personal thing but you can scale it all the way up to like what's going on today in the world well if you scale it up mm-hmm. one of, i one of the things i put in my notes here was that tempest works with fear and oculum yes because if you scale it up you got the start of the record it's just kind of touching on it and then you end with tempest which just nails all the people uh-huh. who are liars and you know yes. the politicians and people who change minds publicly and all the news outlets and those kind of things you know so they really do work together really well and what a great yeah. use of the wah pedal too let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like jeremy said they're kind of undeniable but um and then uh numa was i mean i love the idea of the this vital spirit you know this creative soul type thing another word i had to look up was numa obviously um but this one was one of my favorite tracks if i had to do standout tracks it would be the six full songs <laughs> that we got mm-hmm. but this one rises um to the top for me um because i love the message and the meaning and the production if you listen there's like there's whispers that feel like they're on that harmonic level where they blend in and then there's like that deep inner voice whisper that kind of comes through too when you're listening on mm-hmm. headphones and the way that it builds up I'm going to jump in. I was going to say, I love the way that song starts. That guitar is real, uh-huh. just quiet, peaceful, beautiful. Yes. And then the tuned drums that play the melody with him. Um, yeah. You know, you could tell that that was a good moment of growth there for sure. I mean, yes, he's playing drums, but he really expanded beyond just the drum kit. You hear percussion. You hear, you know, things that were outside of his normal sounds from the past. And um, he really embellished more than just, you know, hitting a, a, a rhythm. It was pitch involved and gestures and that kind of stuff, too. So everything accented wonderfully from all the instruments. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've listened to that song already <laughs> for Same. all of those reasons. But um, You know, that I really was my t- least favorite song when I first heard it. Was it? It was. And then Just, it totally, I had to read the lyrics. I had to go back with headphones, with my new Bose headphones. Made a huge <laughs> difference. And uh, yeah, I, re- I ended up loving that song. But yeah, it was my least favorite when I first heard the album. It just felt yeah. like... Well, I think I had sent you guys a text and said I just I was a little underwhelmed, and that was one of the reasons that song um, right. and it changed the more I listened to it and listened to it correctly. Yeah, I, re- I remember that text because I blocked you after that. Um, <laughs> Who are you? What? <laughs> yes. Did you guys hear something? Uh, no. I mean, I any, like Jared. 
Well, like Jeremy said, you know, you like kind of sometimes it grows on you, or sometimes you feel like you missed it. You know, and I I do that too. Tool is one of those bands that even I was like, even with Fear Inoculum, I loved it, but I was like, is this what I've been waiting for for thirteen years? But then over and over, it just grows on you, and then fitting into this puzzle piece or this puzzle, it's great. But uh, back to Numa real quick. Some of the lines that I really loved were. We are will and wonder, beyond to bound to recall, remember. We are born one breath, one word. We are all one spark, sun becoming. But what I love about that is he says, we are will and wonder. So it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, that we do wonder or we have will. It's that we we embody these yeah. things, you know, we encompass these things. So mm-hmm. definitely we're all creative in our own rights here. And you, you know that spirit when you feel it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, I skipped over the the segues too because I don't really love or hate them. I just feel like that it's they've earned the right to do what they want. So if they want to transition between songs <laughs> that way, that's fine. And I skip them too a lot. So mm-hmm. um, Invincible. I really wish I would have waited for the studio version. You guys were right. I was too greedy. <laughs> um, it just doesn't do it justice to hear it live first. And in that on headphones through somebody's cell phone, it, yeah. People but, talking in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, but I will say that the only like silver lining of that is it's so much better. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like when your ears finally pop after you've had a cold, you're like, Oh shit, this is what it sounds like. <laughs> so, um, the vocals sound great. Everything's great. Um, and it seems to be like a step down the road again from 46 and two in 46 and two, he says, soften this old armor. And mm-hmm. so he's using kind of a, like a warrior's analogy again. Mm-hmm. And I wondered about this, Steve, um, since you're a mm-hmm. lyrics person, but you know, Paul and Jeremy obviously weigh in, he says weapon out and belly in. And I didn't know if he meant like belly in, in the sense that he's still hungry you know, and needs and needs to like fill his belly or belly in, like puffing his chest up in battle. And and he's older and he's got to tighten up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just hearing that, I would assume he's like, yeah, you like you're trying to look tough and strong and belly mm-hmm. in, suck it in. You know? Yes, yeah. but in the same sense, you're trying to survive and become and be relevant. So like, you still have to go on the hunt. You know. You gotta stay hungry. I think it's the so, whole package. I mean, we're he's yeah. continuing on, but you know, it's we are aging. We we are growing dad bods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for so, sure. Yeah. It's I don't know why dumb. Steve's so focused on packages tonight. I know, and dad bods, and oh. I said it once, and then I've ruined the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he al- he also says in there, it it kind of the chorus kind of evolves into where he says, "But here I am," and then he says, "Where I end." Which is like, you know, later on in the album, they're kind of talking about, you know, that we will, this, all of this energy and all of us will end. But I also, that transformation of where you stop being the person listening to those doubts and all that fear mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, and become the next phase of you. Mm-hmm. So another reason I really love how he writes is you can kind of take it how you want to. Um, Anything to say about Invincible, guys? Or you want me to keep going? Did I mention it's my favorite? <laughs> yes, he did. Okay, continue. It is great. Um, it's so good. Descending. Um, I didn't give this one a lot of listens live. I think I did learn my lesson on the other one. But uh, 
it's so so damn good. This was one of those ones I just I loved as well as uh, Numa, I think. But um, I love falling isn't flying and floating isn't infinite. I mean, I, I feel like that's a thing where you got to say when you say falling isn't flying, you got to be true to yourself what you're doing. You know, don't don't get caught up in the fact. And floating isn't infinite. Like enjoy the time that you have in that suspended state. And then it, he says something about kind of like a quick end, and I think that's how it is. If you if you call it flying, but you're falling, and you think you're gonna fall forever, you're gonna you know hit the ground fast at some point in time, and your end's gonna be quick. So, um, but I think that it's also a callback to Numa in a way of uh, you know saying to create and to do and to reach out and do all those things that that your creative spirit is is wanting you to do in that time you have. And around the six minute mark, it gets really serious and in the tone and everything. So I really love that. Um, did you like descending or am I the only one like kind of fanboying? I loved that? it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, there, again, it's like, I, there's not a terrible song on the thing, <laughs> like, you know, the main songs, yeah. <laughs> they're all great in their own way. Yeah. I, I felt like <laughs> descending kind of put a little bow on Numa. Because Numa seems like this idealized kind of thing, you know, where we are these beings that create. But there's a reality that sets in when you get old. And I think those lines about falling, and it Mm -hmm. just brings us back to a very realistic perspective that we are aging. You know, Tool may be at the (laughs) end. Um, I mean, I, I don't think this is their last record, but I mean, a song like Descending could say, hey, you know. Yeah, we're here. So I think there's a realism that's kind of placed upon what the other things are building. For sure. And I, I, uh, Jeremy, you'd mentioned like how long the songs were too. And they are long, even for a tool fan. It's like, (laughs) I couldn't even like go pick up Chipotle and come back and have a full song listened to, (laughs) you know, on my drive. But, um, but I do feel like this is the new world that we live in where you're not confined to, you know, what fits on a CD or anything like that. And if you want to indulge and show off these skills and take it on a longer journey, then I think they can do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate the length of the songs. I mean, as long as they're doing something and it stays interesting, I'm all for it. I love (laughs) a long song like that. One of the things the, uh, the lost in Vegas guys said was, you know, they were super impressed that, uh, a song that's around 10 minutes long could be trending number one at that time mm-hmm. they did the review, you know, it was trending number one on almost everything. And the song is like 10 minutes long and that's that true. doesn't happen every day. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> it's almost like four guys getting together to talk about uh, records extensively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, almost. Fun. <laughs> almost like that. Yeah. Um, uh, Calling voices. Question, though, Tony. Okay. Yeah. So, do you remember back in May when Adam Jones had that little guitar with a speaker and he was playing yep. his riff? Uh-huh. I didn't hear that on the album. I might be, I may have glazed over it, or any, but is, was that? Um, is that anything that I should be recognizing? I think so. I'll go back and listen to it. But I thought, I thought it was an invincible, or so. I thought it was either invincible or descent. No. Not descending because that's been around. Descending's actually been around as an instrumental for years with them, like trying okay. it out on stage. But gotcha. But I think it's an invincible. I'll go listen. 
I, sure. I will too. Um, you okay. know, and admittedly, yes, I gave the whole album a listen, but I went back to Tempest and Numa so much that everything yeah. else needs a, a good revisit. So yeah. I kept thinking, dang, I don't remember hearing that. <laughs> so, cool. All right. Uh, well, the, the next two I'll, I'll fly through because I loved calling voices too, but, um, and I do think it is about that whole, you know, doubting yourself and all that stuff that can creep in, but also go back and listen to it. Cause I was wondering if Maynard would address this and it might be addressed in this or Tempest, but do you guys remember when he was accused of rape mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. a couple yes. of year or two ago? Point in the fingers. If you go back, what's that? Point in the fingers. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you listen to Calling Voices at the beginning, um, I do think that there's something in the with the Calling Voices that could be, you know, him saying something about being accused of the whole rape thing from a mm-hmm. kind of an anonymous source, somebody pointing fingers. So, um, and then uh, Chocolate Chip Trip. Um, I had text Paul about that because... For a minute there, I thought Tool was going to go a little bit Nine Inch Nailsy with some like electronic sounds, mm-hmm. and so my head about exploded. And then Danny came in with the drums, and that was cool, but um, not my favorite track. But I think it'll be good live to see Danny give Old Man Maynard a breather and you know do a little <laughs> drum solo. Yep. Um, but then rounding it out with Tempest, um, I want you guys to go back and listen to this. Tell me that the beginning does not sound like Garden by Pearl Jam. So Ooh. that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that, when I heard that, uh, guitar, but quickly switches into heavy tool. So, um, and I was hoping the whole time that we'd get, so I loved the album, but I was hoping we'd get something a little heavy and kind of, you know, faster paced in here. And, uh, so I really liked this track a lot for that reason. And, um, Again, I like where he, you know, he'll say something like calm before the tempest comes to rain all over. And, you know, using the spelling rain as like, you know, the reign of a king, but also kind of like uh, hinting at maybe a storm coming. Um, And I love, <laughs> I love the line. I don't know if you guys caught it, but calm as cookies and cream. So it seems that's a classic Maynard, you know, like. I was kind of hoping we'd get something like that, you know, between like ticks and leeches and hooker, hooker with a penis and all those type of things. It was nice to see him get a little, you know, smart ass on this album too. So, um, and then mocking beat, like, yeah, I could take that or leave it. So all in all, um, I'm giving this a seven because it was based on seven. And I think between how they went ahead with the packaging um, you know, really elaborate with the LED or the the screen and all that stuff, and that we waited 13 years and I wasn't disappointed, so I'm giving it a seven. Nice. I show, I showed a meme. I don't know if you could see it, but it shows Maynard. It says, "Order, Danny. You can only name one song on this album, and it's a picture of him with Cookie Monster." Cookie Monster. <laughs> That's yeah. good. And my favorite uh, my favorite <laughs> meme from the album was the the guy back in the 10,000 days listening on his headphones kicking back and then the next one is this one he's got a kid he's trying to listen on headphones the kids climbing on him <laughs> yes. yep. exactly. yeah exactly do you have anything else to say about the album tony overall no i mean i got tons to say but that's that's my general tony we'd like to thank you for stopping by and commenting on the new tool album that's all the time we have for you are today. you playing me off <laughs> okay <laughs> Oh, I thought you were playing more. Yeah, totally. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
<laughs> I did not hear Garden, but I cannot wait to go back and check that out now. I love that yeah, song. I'll, I'll do a okay. compare and contrast there. That's yep. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you think Duel, you think Pearl Jam. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, I do in the res- in the the uh, the respect that the lyrics for both are typically brilliant. And so that I do see. And both bands have some longevity. So. For sure. Okay. Yeah, thanks for enduring my review. I'll have more to say, probably. <laughs> I'll, I'll work in my review over the next, like, seven episodes. Nice. You know what's interesting, though, is that we all were so high on the album, and yet we all did not like the interludes. So we, we probably would have yeah. all preferred a six I don't, I, for me, album. you know, it's like, Tool is so they're so technically proficient and they're so good. Then you hear those, and you're like, "What the fuck is this? Like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, it just seems silly almost." But, well, yeah. The, do you remember was it Anima? I think where they have like that really heavy song with the guy basically reading like an egg salad recipe, but in German. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, it's like. That seems like that. You just have to just like take it for like, okay, well, that's tool. Well, yeah. I almost but, wish then, since it's been 13 years, that we would have gotten 14 songs, 10 big ones, and four of those. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I totally agree. But I also don't, this is just me kind of hoping, but for, I can't imagine all of these guys being musicians, not having some things stored away or some ideas that, that they've already been growing. So I don't think we're going to, I hope we're not going to wait that long. I remember when Trent used to take forever between albums and all of a sudden it was like every other year we got something. So well, how long was descending in the works? Um, It's been out there in instrumental fashion for probably at least five years. So we're not getting anything soon. <laughs> well, you know, talking about the out, the length of the album, this is like what it's been 13 years. And this is what they said is like 85 minutes or something of music. Mm-hmm. But I, I yep. talked about Sacred Reich earlier. Twenty three years you've been waiting on them, but there's their album is eight songs and it's only like thirty one minutes. So thirty nine, <laughs> I think something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. get a little yeah, more bang funny. for your buck here. Yeah, <laughs> that's really cute, guys. I just well, want to make sure that you guys all understand that Rush had twenty four gold records. Okay, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Just nice. going to throw that out there. Speaking of, I've got a link to send you, Foggy. Um, Sweetwater and YouTube musician Rob Scallon got together at the Clyde Theater in Fort Wayne, Indiana, to break the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest pedal board in history. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so they got together, they engineered this elaborate scheme for all these pedals to work together and all of them had to be played. There were certain rules and parameters and he had to perform in front of an audience minimum of 10 people to witness it. And at the end of the video, um, Alex Lifeson was there to witness the event. And so Rob handed him a guitar and let him kind of noodle through some of the pedals and all that kind of stuff too. It was kind of cool to see him awesome. uh, come out and play a couple little chords and just hang out with him. And you could tell the dude was completely beside himself and try to get him to play a big note and the guitar failed. And he's like, ah, <laughs> Is that at Sweetwater? Uh, it's at the Clyde theater in Fort Wayne. Oh yeah, that's right. You said that. Yeah. 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 So it was a really cool partnership and it was a really interesting video. I'll throw the link in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. And you can tell that Alex and Getty want to continue on, but Neil is retired, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> I went to a family reunion yesterday and uh, one of my, well, let's see, it had been like my second cousins or something like that was wearing a rush shirt. So I almost took a picture. I love your family. <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen that was a that was a long show that was a good one yeah yeah i hope that uh our show gave two a little boost in their safety. Yeah. they need oh, it sure. they, well, they do sorry. yeah it's sad yeah. but uh <laughs> next week we'll be sacred reich <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna check that out though and then i'm gonna look for more of those k-pit shows that sounds really cool yeah i want to check cool. more of them out it was really cool yeah good times yeah all right. There's oh, sorry, also uh, that's okay. Just speaking of those type of things, there's a channel I can't remember who runs it, but the their series is called Like a Version, and they bring in um, artists and they all do covers. Yeah, um, in, in the studio, I love that one too. Yeah, that sounds cool. Right. Oh. Okay. Go ahead, Steve. I sorry. just was wrapping it up. I was tr- taking care of our fans because they're probably done with us at this point. So next week. <laughs> Oh, we all got played off. <laughs> we, yeah, we've overstayed our welcome. So next week we have Jeremy's challenge. We are really excited about it, and uh, we will be reviewing dun, 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 Post Malone. This one will be interesting. So uh, we'll see y'all next week. Bye now.